All right, we're going to this morning speak about the scandal and the hope of divine light. And it's not just one scandal, but three scandals. Who doesn't love a scandal? Uh, Especially when it's one that doesn't impact our own reputations. All right, so before we get to those, however, I want to start with a short exercise. So I invite you to hold out your hands in front of you. And look at your hands for a moment. Consider your hands. Um, and, and just if you have any voices of critique or judgment on your own hands, just acknowledge those. Hello. And let them pass by. They're gone. Okay. Now you're free to simply look at your hands. Quite brilliant when you think about it, aren't they? Now, 15 years ago, scientists made a rather astonishing discovery about the human hand. And that is that hands emit light. Here's a visual of what that looks like, but you can kind of imagine it. Imagine your hands glowing. And it was quite amazing because they used a, what they call a light-tight room, which sounds awesome and everyone should have one in their house, I think. Um, But a light-tight room is just what it sounds like. No light is in the room at all, unless there's a human being inside of it, because human beings emit light. Now, it's different, actually, from the infrared light that comes with any heat source. This is actually on the visible light spectrum. It's just so dim, like a thousand times more dim than we can actually see it. So when we look at our hands, we can't see them glowing. But here's the cool part. Scientists think that the reason our hands glow is because of chemical reactions and processes much like fireflies. So we're all literally glowing. Here's another image of the human face, a subject, human subject, in a light-tight room. This is visible light. Look at you. You are all glowing. You can't even help it. Through no effort or volition of your own, you are just glorious. Look at you. Oh, love it. Now, this is a fun, fun discovery, and it makes for a perfect metaphor for the Christian faith because it aligns so well with Christian teaching, which is that humankind made in the image of God, God who is light, God whose first act in creation was to create light. Let there be light, God said. And God took a little bit of light and put it in each one of us, in all of humankind. So cool. I love this metaphor. I mean, it's, it's hopeful, it's comforting, it feels empowering. And I hope we can all receive that hopeful message this Advent, the divine light in each of us. But here's the thing. There's kind of a flip side to this when we think about it for a moment. And that is that it's not just us in this room that are bearers of divine light. It's all humans. All humans. Even the ones we don't like very much. Okay, even the really bad humans, right? The ones who are doing a lot of evil and causing a lot of suffering, the one whose names leave a bad taste on our mouths, those humans too are bearers of divine light. And that's kind of scandalous, 
God's divine light is shared indiscriminately with everybody, all humankind, no matter how good or evil, no matter how righteous or unrighteous, how just or unjust a person or a nation is, the divine light is in each of us. So on the one hand, I don't know if you can feel the tension there, right? But on one hand, there's this really cool, hopeful thing. All of us are image bearers of God, of divine light. On the other hand, oh gosh, it's everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. That's scandal number one, the hopeful scandal of divine light. And to uncover the next two, we're going to take a look at a story from the Bible of light coming into the world in the person of Jesus. And what we're going to see is the same tension. Okay? We're going to see on one hand a really hopeful message that comes alongside Jesus, but we'll also feel a little bit of conflict, you know? Um, and what's, what's that really mean when we think about it? And there's some tension there to wrestle with. All right, so we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, and it's just after Jesus is born. He's a baby, and his parents take him to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate Jesus. So it's a little bit like our child dedication here at Sanctuary that we celebrated just a couple weeks ago. And we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen... Whoops, let's do this. Meg, can you help control the slides for this? Thank you. It's hard for me. Um... It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Okay, cue the dramatic music. That took a turn there at the end. A sword will pierce your own soul too, Simeon says to Mary. All right, now, to get a sense of what's happening in this story, it helps if you picture that child dedication a couple weeks ago. So I don't know if you were here or not, or, or, but you can kind of imagine we had five families up front here all in a row, and they brought their little ones, their babies, and some were a couple older, um, you know, maybe two or three years old. And like that event, like the event in our story, the parents bringing their kids forward to dedicate them to God. 
and there's lots of people in attendance witnessing the event. It's a celebration. Mary and Joseph probably had cake afterwards, just like us. Now, there's an older man named Simeon who's in attendance at this dedication event. And here, I'll give a little quick portrait of what and who Simeon is. I'm calling him the hopeful human because he really is a model for hope in Luke's story. So he's called righteous and devout, but he is not a religious leader of any kind. He has no title. He's just some guy. The Holy Spirit rests on him and is guiding him. Now, really cool, actually, that this is the fifth person in Luke's story to be said uh, is full of the Holy Spirit so far. He's looking forward to what, it, what the text says is the consolation of Israel, which is a title for the Messiah, the one who is to come, who's going to set things to right. Here, the word consolation means comfort. So the idea is that Simeon sees a world of suffering and hardship. And he's looking forward to the one who will bring God's consolation, God's comfort in the midst of suffering. And then we see him perform two hopeful actions. He sings a song or a prayer, and he blesses the family. He blesses Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. All right, now, picture someone on the day of our child dedication, somebody in attendance, walks forward, picks up one of the babies, holds them aloft like in The Lion King, (laughs) and starts walking around the room singing a song about this baby and praising God for this baby and identifies the baby as someone very important. Like in our context, he might sing that this baby's going to be president And as president, she will usher in a time of unparalleled peace and prosperity for all the nations. Okay, yeah, we might cheer, like, awesome, hallelujah. We might also think, we'll see. (laughs) Like, you're holding a baby, and wow, what an interesting event. Maybe a little strange, like, do you know this person? Do you know the family? I hope so, because you're holding their baby. <laughs> um, wow. And this is a little bit what it would feel like in this story with Simeon holding up the baby Jesus, right? And this is kind of wild, his song that he sings. So let's take a look at the song that he sings, this prayer. Lord You now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Beautiful, hopeful, comforting. This song has come to take a very special place in the Christian tradition. In fact, some of you grew up in Christian traditions where this prayer was part of your communal worship. Maybe you prayed this prayer um, in, on Sunday mornings. In fact, we have records going back to the fourth century of Christians adapting this prayer in their communal Sunday worship. 
Simeon's song resonates, I think, because it's, you know, this expression of at last, this long-awaited divine light coming into the world. And as Simeon, he's witnessing this wonder unfolding before his eyes. He feels God's peace and hope. So much so that he feels like he can leave this world in peace, knowing that all shall be well. Wow. Wouldn't we all want to experience the divine light and hope like that? Well, here's the thing. It's not without tension, this message of hope. And we get our remaining two scandals here. So Simeon borrows a couple lyrics from his song, from a much older ancient song. He's ripping it off. This is great. This is what all great artists do. At least musicians, (laughs) maybe. Um, So God, in this, this other ancient song, God is singing through the prophet Isaiah over his people. And here's part of this song. I, the Lord, have called you, Israel, in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. Okay, they're now dancing. God in Israel. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Oh, woo. This song, too. Super lovely, hopeful, empowering. God's calling the nation of Israel a light to the nations. And the idea here is that Israel becomes a light to illuminate what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, what it looks like to live under God's care, just look at the nation Israel. Okay, we are so used to this idea that we forget or kind of miss a little bit of the scandal. So I'm going to help us. And the trick is to just substitute another people group for Israel. Let's take Texas, for example. Okay? So what if somebody stood up in church and started singing about how Texas is a light for the nations? It reveals what God is like. You want to know what God is like? Folks, just visit Texas. Consider Texas in all of its divine ways. And you will know just Texas is it. It tells us perfectly what God is like. Come on, people. A light to the nations. Okay, you feel that a little bit? If Texas, if you love Texas, think about another place then. Nebraska, I don't know. <laughs> Figure it out. Maybe Iowa is the place. Um, it's a little weird to attribute divine light to a specific particular people group because it can trigger all kinds of judgments that other people may have about that people group. Israel didn't always do a great job exhibiting divine light. No people group does, period. So whenever that attribution happens, it can feel a little weird. And besides, isn't the divine light accessible to everyone? Isn't it universal? All humans have the divine light? So how can we attribute it to one specific people group? Now, Simeon's not done 
Because while he riffs off this older, ancient song, he does something new. He identifies the divine light, not with the nation of Israel, but with this little human baby that he is holding in his hands. He sings Isaiah's song, but it's no longer Israel. It's Jesus, the light for the nations, the glory of the people of Israel. And Simeon experienced this as a marvelous explosion of light. It's good news, great news, full of hope. He's breaking out into song, singing over this baby as the divine light. The Messiah is here. Hallelujah. Divine light in our world. And everyone looking on is like, put the kid down. (laughs) Or like, "Um, make sure you protect his head. He's an infant. Right? Like, Mary and Joseph are watching this play out. And they've got to be thinking, like, okay. I mean, strange. Mary knows her baby is weeks old, days old. And, you know, all he's doing is eating, pooping, crying. But he is the embodiment of divine light. He is the Messiah, the hope for all the nations? Holy cow. I mean, that's exactly what Simeon is saying. It's exactly what he's singing. And it is what the Christian tradition has affirmed ever since. That yes, this baby, this infant born to poor parents, in a rural town, in a backwards, unimportant province in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, this baby is the light that shines in the darkness, God's consolation in the midst of suffering, the hope for all the nations. Simeon feels this at his core, and it, is, it feels so good to him. At the same time, he anticipates that there will be challenges and struggle against the divine light. He turns to Mary and utters that phrase. He says, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mary will experience pain with the divine light coming into her world as she watches her baby boy grow into his calling as a rabbi who announces the upending of the social order, the call to repent, the divine mandate to do justice. Not everyone's going to welcome the divine light. If we're honest, we even see that in ourselves. A little bit of resistance to the divine light, because we sense in ourselves, maybe not every part of us is aligned with how God would have us live. So I don't know. Do we want the divine light revealing all of us to all of us? Hmm. It's not easy to be confronted with light and truth and hope. 
These are the scandalous hopes of divine light. And let's review them with a quiz. Because I can't tell which is more scandalous. You can decide. Which is most scandalous? The divine light in all humankind, even the ones that oppose God's light? The divine light in one people group, Israel or Texas? Or the divine light in one single baby, Jesus? Now, what's amazing is that the Bible and Christian tradition affirms all of these truths about the divine light. And we can celebrate them and recognize the hope in each one and also see some of the tensions in each one of these, right? My family and I um, traveled to my parents' home in northwest Indiana for Thanksgiving this past week. Um, It was delightful. My mom and dad hosted an assortment of people. I think there were 17 of us total. So it was wild and chaotic. There was tons of food and way too many dishes to be done. I don't know if you, yeah, dishes. It's like, I love this, and then dishes. (laughs) And, but it was full. It was honestly, it was a time full of divine light. Um, I saw divine light in my very young niece, who's just four months old. And she smiles at me, makes faces at me. It's probably because I look and sound a lot like her dad, my brother. But it's great. She smiles at me. I saw divine light in how my own, um, my two teenage boys, uh, how they play with their young cousins. These young girls, they look up to my teen boys so much, they call them the big boys. And they argue about who gets to sit by whom at the Thanksgiving table. And my boys, they'll play hide and seek and other games. And it's so awesome to watch my teen boys share divine light with, these young, with their young cousins. I saw divine light in some of my extended family members. Uh, and if I'm honest, this is challenging for me. And the reason is, is because I don't see the world in the way that my extended family does. I'll say it this way. We disagree strongly about economics, politics, religion, basically everything important. And we have radically different views about what the good life and the good world would look like. So it can be hard. Holidays can be delicate. But I saw the way, I see the way that they extend care and kindness to those around them. And I can acknowledge that they too are bearers of divine light, even though I disagree strongly with them about some of the values we share, or don't share, I should say. And then finally, I saw divine light in my mom, um, who does a ton of work to get everything ready uh, for the Thanksgiving feast. And like many families, we took a moment to share what we're grateful for around the Thanksgiving table. And when it came to my mom's turn, um, she, she channeled Richard Rohr. Um, I don't know if, you're, if you know who Richard Rohr is. He is a Catholic contemplative writer and speaker. He's written a number of books. And my mom has been reading a lot of Richard Rohr recently. And, so, and what, so what I mean by that is she shared about how she's learning to live in the present, And so she just stopped for a moment and said, I just want to say I'm so grateful for this present moment. 
to be able to gather together with each of you for the food that is plentiful, provided for us, for the love and affection we can share in this space together. I'm just so grateful for this moment. And it was just like Simeon. You know, I mean, she wasn't singing, but we could hear this song in her sharing. It was beautiful. I find myself really grateful for that time, for the divine light that I saw and behold in all of its aspects. This is our divine light this Advent. It is Jesus coming into the world. It is humankind, the bearers of divine light, God's light that God has placed in each of us. And the invitation for us this Advent is to continue to celebrate and to share divine light and to announce God's hope as we do. So I have two suggestions on how we could do this during Advent. And here they are. To be like Simeon. And we can do that by, first of all, singing as often as possible. Um, There's science behind this, by the way. Like, I think I've shared about this before. But the science of singing, it's really good for you. Singing is. So sing. Be like Simeon and sing it out. Um, My wife, Allie, is a champion at this. She's singing when she's doing chores, when she's driving, when she's walking around the house, feeding our birds that she takes care of. Um, Be like Simeon, be like Allie, and sing this Advent season. You will be filled with light and hope as you sing. And then second, bless others, particularly children. Um, Not exclusively children, but particularly children. How can you do that? I don't know. Can you write a note to someone? Take time with a friend. Do a chore. Give someone a call that you haven't spoken to in a while. Repair something that's broken. We, all of us, have access to the light. God's hopeful light in each of us. What will we do this Advent season to share the light? Remember, your hands are glowing. You are glowing with divine light. Jesus comes into our world as light. And as we share in God's presence, as we share in Jesus, we too access the divine light and can share that with all the world. Amen. We're going to transition now 